All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to episode 154 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli as uh, rookie camps have begun. Well, really the rookie tournaments get going today. And then uh, we are less than a week away from uh, the NHL preseason uh, almost beginning. Camps will officially get going on the ice next Thursday. Medicals on Wednesday. There's, there's always the, I wonder if there's a player who won't uh, pass his medical, if there's an existing injury, we'll find that out, Frank. But um, th- this, this, the past few days, you know what, a lot of the big names, they get together, you got the NHL going on. Matt Larkin from uh, Daily Faceoff was talking to Nathan McKinnon, and no surprise, McKinnon's like, hey, my contract's not going to start in a single digit. Uh, now, I don't think that surprises anyone, but he did say, if, if I don't have a deal done before the start of the season, then we're going to shut off talks. Um, I understand that. Do you believe that, Frank? Do you think they would go the whole season and not have any talks if there's not a deal done by October 12th? I don't know if I believe it, but it's a smart thing to say. And I do understand what Nathan McKinnon was saying to Matt Larkin. And you can read the story, as you said, on Daily Faceoff about the emotion that goes into managing that at the same time that you really should be focusing on playing. Um, that's why a lot of players do it because they know that they don't want to be a wreck the whole season if they're thinking about that. And then does it eat into your production? And that's a big consideration. I think especially for someone like Nathan McKinnon, who's coming off of a deal where I think he's been embarrassed the whole time that he's been so underpaid. Like he's so vastly outperformed it. And he actually mentioned it in the story. Like underpaid is not something you want to be associated with. And so players go through this all the time, whether it's Wayne Simmons or like, they don't all have to be of Nathan McKinnon's stature, but players that made a lot less than they should have for a long period of time have a chip on their shoulder. And most of them, unfortunately, are never able to make it back because by the time you actually get through that long-term contract, you're going to, your game might've dipped a little bit and you don't get, quite back to that level Nathan McKinnon lucky enough for himself is still at all world status and the abs are coming off of the Stanley cup and he's probably going to be there for a long, long time. So he makes out pretty well in the deal. He's going to blast way past a hundred million dollars in career earnings, but not everyone is as fortunate. And I think that's something that he's owned a little bit and he's mentioned it more than a few times over the years that idea of being underpaid. He wants to solve that, put it in the rearview mirror and just get back to being um, Nathan McKinnon, the hockey player. And so until that happens, he's in this awkward sort of limbo stage. 
it is one where, you know, because when McKinnon signed the contract, his first year of the deal, he was still a 50-point player. And, and then he exploded up to 90 points and has become, you know, one of the dominant forwards in the NHL. And, you know, it's one where I think when he signed the deal, they maybe he didn't believe that he would be a 90-point guy, right? Well, they so, didn't believe I don't yeah. think they believed that. Why, no. why would you? Like, yeah. there was ample evidence to suggest that he was not a 90 point, like the first four years of his career, his career high was 63 and it was in his rookie year, mm-hmm. 63, 38, 52, 53 to then jump from 53 to 97, 99, 93 and 88. Like it, those are no one do, who does that, who has a 40 point jump and then sustains it. It's, it's the rare super freak athlete that does it. And he's one of them. Yeah, and that's why you know people have said, oh, he gave them a deal. Well, he didn't really give them a deal. He just turned out to outperform what the expectations was for both him and his camp. And and I can understand that there's the players like, man, I got to recoup that, right? Like a lot of people are like, oh, he's at least going to double his salary, get up to twelve point six, and th- and that's right, that that might happen. Um, it's it will be a fascinating one because he's still got one year left in Colorado, and so like. I wonder if, like, if there's there's an argument to be made, Nathan McKinnon, like we see it in other sports, lots, Frank, especially in basketball, where the star players are signing short term deals all the time because the cat now their cap has continued to go on up to go up all the time. Well, their and max so, deal is five. Yeah, well, that's the max term, right? But they have lots of guys who will sign one or two years, so they're ensuring, you know, LeBron James for how long has only signed short-term deals, and he's making huge money. And I, I've always wondered, like, if Connor McDavid decided when his contract's done, I'm signing a two-year deal, I'm getting whatever it is, seventeen million dollar, and if the cap keeps going up, well, in two years, I'm still going to be Connor McDavid, and now it's a mindset, and it really hasn't come into the NHL, right? Like, I think the last really you know good player who signed a short-term deal was marion hosa was it not remember he signed the one-year deal and then he cashed in now that was when you had the 12-year monster deals but you don't see it very often in the nhl and i do wonder it's because the security's be. not the same sure but but if if i was, I was if you're signing guys- a two-year 100 million dollar deal it takes nhl players seven or eight years the very best of them to earn yeah. that same 100 million bucks it's not it's not comparing apples to apples well yeah for 100 mil sure but they still but that's do what it. the normal the nor, the bench players in the nba are making what the top nhl stars are yeah some you're right that that's that's what it's a totally different world so to say i'm going to take a short-term deal well yeah if you're making 45 schmill a year like it's not hard to say like oh, i only need two years of it to really feel like i can then take a chance and have our team win. And and they probably had other years of crazy earnings first, a number of years at 25 million a year before they're even, they're at 250 million career earnings before they're even having the conversation. Yeah. Well, McDavid's going to be over a hundred million, right? When his contract's up. Once you've made a hundred million, it's not going to, it's it's not really peanuts for everyone else in the NBA. For the NBA, but in the real world, man, but that's what you're comparing it to. No, no, I'm comparing the the risk factor. Sure, there's the money there, but which NBA player signed a short-term deal and then had a career-ending injury, right? Like we we, we talk way too much about the the risk of career injuries because it's such just play play the odds. You bet, play the odds. Just the, how about you just would, insure yourself? Like yeah, well, you could insure yourself, but if if your goal is to maximize things, that's a good way to maximize it if mm-hmm. you want to. Okay, so since you brought up McDavid and McDavid's at 12-5 for a deal that was signed in 2017, if you had to guess, hearing McKinnon say that it will be a fair deal, I don't know what the definition of fair is in this case because he is an unbelievable player, is he higher or lower than McDavid? Cap hit-wise. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance he'll come in higher. I, I think that, you know what, it's been a few years and no player has increased. Like Sidney Crosby was the best player in the league for a while. He was not always the highest paid, right? right. So I even on his own team, if Jenny Malkin had a higher cap hit. So I think Nathan McKinnon. And there's a lot of Sid in McKinnon. Yeah, I yeah, fair, right? Although Sid will tell you. Um, his contract at the time, had he known how the landscape was going to drastically change, 
he probably doesn't sign that long-term of a deal. Well, I can tell you right now, Sidney Crosby does not like his contract. Yeah. So, so I get so, it. So look at, look at his contract and look, he, he's made an absolute killing in his career. Sidney Crosby career earnings, 138 million. But look at these last three years of the contract. His cap hit is eight, seven, but this is the first year that he starts earning 3 million bucks. And a, a little story Last year, at some point last summer, so summer of 2021, there was a conversation, I believe, between the Penguins and their their front office and the NHL or Sidney Crosby's representatives with the NHL. Is there any chance we could put in a clause to be able to rewrite contracts? He's, he, I don't think he's happy earning where he's at. Because I don't know that when he signed the deal, 12 years, $104 million back in 2012, coming off of all those concussions, that I don't know that thought he thought he was going to make it here. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. So now here he is still, you know, his game has peaked a little bit, but now he's way down at $3 million a year. Hey, Frank, you know what? This, this is the poster boy for why my idea, the NHLPA, should have no maximum. The, the, the you said the NBA's max five year term. That's what the NHL should have. Well, after your uh, after your uh, second contract, I'd put it in. It would be very easy. It's going to benefit the players for this exact reason because the ta- ta- the best guys are going to get paid all the time. They're still for five years. Crosby would have signed that for five years, right? At the time, people would have said, "Wow, that's a really good contract." Right? Maybe his cap hit would have been slightly higher, but then he would have been been able to negotiate a lot earlier. Right? Even Nathan McKinnon, eight years of eight to five. Think about Nate McKinnon if his contract had expired two years ago. Right? Like it's a big difference. It benefits the players and also benefits the teams because then the guys who sign the long term deals who don't perform well, thankfully they're three years shorter. They're out of that deal. It, it actually would benefit both sides, and it's something that the in the next CBA, if there was one point that both sides should want in, that's the one. Just to be fair, this is McKinnon's second contract. So that yep. would be exempted from what you're saying. Yeah, you exactly. After he, their he, second he, yeah, contract. Yeah, he could do it. You're right, 100%. But some players won't. Like, look at um, Matthews, Kane, lots of those guys' second contract was only five years, right? Like, a lot of people try to say, oh, Austin Matthews isn't committed to Toronto. Or maybe Austin Matthews in his camp are just ahead of the curve. He's going to sign That's his what extension, I right? He's going to sign his extension before uh, Connor McDavid signs his. And I'm sure when when you look at those things, whatever Matthews signs for, and he's making what eleven six now. Guy scored sixty goals. He's got a few years left on his contract. He'll probably score fifty a few more times, I would think. Well, he's going to get a massive boost even from eleven six. And so McDavid's contract in four years, Frank, I have no idea what it's going to look like. It'll depend on what the other contracts are. but And then it's also going to depend on, well, where does he sign, right? Because now I'm not saying he's going to want to leave Edmonton, but anytime you're a potential UFA, that's, that's a conversation that they'll have. And I think it comes down to if he's won, I think it's different. If he hasn't won, his AAV, might, instead of being 17, he might say, well, I want 15 because I want to win. And in right. the NHL, um, depth really matters to the elite players. That's how you win. Well, the cap is is so ridiculously tight that it you have that you have to spread it around properly. Yes, but and and the funny thing about Matthews and where he ends up, I I believe just for the record, and I'm saying this now, way before he even gets to the ability to to renegotiate next summer. I think he's a leaf for life. I think he absolutely loves every facet of his life in Toronto. Um, and the funny thing you said ahead of the curve, they certainly were in terms of how they structured this. You could make the argument, by the way, from the Leafs perspective that they should have pushed, even if it meant going to 13 or whatever to get to eight years, because now it's going to hurt them. But fortunately for them and fortunately for Matthews, and by the way, the Leafs probably hurt by this flat cap in the pandemic more so than any other team. You know, I think we'd be looking a lot differently at the John Tavares contract right now had there not been a flat cap, had it continued to increase 4 3 5% every year. Now we're in a spot where the Tavares contract hurts, 
But Matthew somehow is timing it absolutely perfectly, likely coming out of the pandemic 2024, when the cap is probably going to increase eight to $10 million. Well, you think from 24 to 26, Frank, Austin Matthews gets a deal. Then the next year, Leon Drysaddle's new deal kicks in. And then the following year, Connor McDavid. And some would say those are the three best forwards in the NHL. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. So um, it's, it's massive though. It's, it's a huge, like Austin Matthews is going to maximize his career earnings. I think by timing it appropriately. Okay. He got um, for, a big second deal and now is going to get a massive third. Deal. Oh, hundred percent. And yes, he did get a massive first year deal and it was only five years. So mm-hmm. um, five year deals. I'm just saying agents, GMs, think about it. It's rarely going to shorter is never going to hurt you. And for the best players, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to benefit them. Right. Like Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, those guys are the prime examples. They didn't sign eight year deals out of their, on their second contract. They signed five. Kane might've been six. I have to look it back up. I thought it was five. And, um, and I think even Sidney Crosby did too. Didn't he? I think his second year. Cause then he signed his third year deal. I have to double check that one too, but guys have done it. And I think it, uh, it, it doesn't hurt them when you're an elite player, Frank. Crosby went entry yeah. level five years, yeah. then 12 years. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So he'll be, that'll be, and by the way, like 20 years when his deal's done. Amazing. Yeah. I'm not knocking him at all. Like I understand where he's at, but don't forget the first part of that $104 million deal. Like you were collecting 12 a year for the first three. Like I know it hurts to be getting three now, but you did collect it on the front end. It's true. And you know what? Let's be honest, Frank, if his investments are good, the return he's making on sure his investments, are. if it's significant, I think, I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be doing all right. Um, he'll definitely. be fine. Now I want to have a little fun thing. We're going to, it's going to be a new thing. We're going to bring in. It's one or the other, a new segment we're going to have. And so Frank, I'm going to tell you over the next five years, do you want Jonathan Huberdeau or Johnny Gaudreau and why? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm going to take Jonathan Huberto. And I th- the reasoning, my reasoning for that is, I think he has every bit as much creativity and the, dis- the distributor part of his game is equally as good to Johnny Gaudreau. I think with the way Huberto plays and using his vision, like he's never been a burner. Like he's never been one of those guys super fast. And I think that's going to age really gracefully, I think. And not to say Johnny Gaudreau won't like, 
Uh, honestly, I think Johnny's in one of those spots, not all that different than Patrick Kane, where he could be a really productive player to late in his career. I just don't think we're going to see as big of a drop-off because the big thing with, with Gaudreau's size, and he's been really durable in his career, is if that skating slides just a little bit, it's been able to get him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I just think Huberto, given the equal talent and skill set and the size, um, that's the guy that I'd take. And by the way, um, you said five years. Like I'm taking the first year of Huberto this year at 5.9, counting as one of those five years every day of the week. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're, he definitely has the uh, the better cap hit for the uh, the first year of that deal. But then after that, so you know, eighty percent of those five years, it's going to be the uh, the same. Um, and you look at it over the last five years, not much has separated Huberdeau and Goudreau, right? Over five years, they're uh, they're eighth and ninth in in league scoring combined in those five years. And Huberdeau has four hundred and fifteen points. Goudreau has 405. Goudreau has uh, seven more goals, 137. Huberto is 130. Huberto has a few more uh, assists. Now, where, where there's a little bit of separation, uh, Goudreau is more of a shooter, right? He had 1,026 shots, I think it was, and 900 and change for, for Huberto, about 100 uh, difference in shots. Um, the thing that I look at, um, ne- neither one, I know Goudreau did score 40 this year, but neither one's really considered like a shooter first. I would agree with you. They're, they're both distributors. Johnny Johnny Gaudreau, the advantage I think he has over the next few years is he's likely playing with Patrick Laine, who's a legit shooter, mm-hmm. right? And when you have guys like when you have what what like a real shooter, because you know there's guys who score forty Frank who may aren't considered shooters. Patrick Laine is a shooter, and Matthew Kachuk. I don't know if I put him in the same shooter category, right? Same with Elias Lindholm, really solid players, probably better maybe all around in the, in their def- definitely Lindholm and defensive game and stuff, but having a pure shooter, we saw it for a short time, you know, like Adam Oates, when you put a pure shooter with Adam Oates, like guys went off the charts, Brett Hall, Brett Hall talked about yeah. it, right? Um, you know, you've seen it in a Backstrom with Ovechkin, like a legit shooter when you have a great passer. And I think Johnny Gaudreau's point totals in Columbus for the next five years, because of who he's going to play with, I think that's going to be the one advantage between the two of them. And I think, uh, cause they're, I think they're basically the same age, right? Um, Huberto might be a year older, so I'm not sure age is like, I don't think they're going to age out. I can't remember the last top player who fell off a cliff in their early thirties. Right mm-hmm. in the NHL, I'm sure maybe it's happened. I guess maybe Ben, right? Would would Ben be that guy who who kind of fell off really fast? But it doesn't happen very often, right? So I look at Johnny Gaudreau over the next five years. I'm going to take him. I know that Huberto was outperformed in the previous five by ten points, which you know isn't Big much. Deal. Right. But um, now the last three years, Huberto does have the advantage, right? I think he's 32 points over the last three years. Gaudreau didn't have a great, uh, a great season a few years ago. That was a little bit of an anomaly for him. Whereas Huberto's been ultra consistent. He's probably been more consistent offensively in the last three years. But now you change teams. And I honestly, I think Johnny Gaudreau, like he chose the team he wanted to go to. Huberto, yeah, he's got to burr up as, you know what, he's going to want to prove everybody. But I think it's different situations. So I'm going to actually take Johnny over the next five years. But it's the reason I picked those two, A, they were in the, they were in the conversation this summer for moving it's teams. Very but also, also they've been very close for five years. Yeah. So let me take this conversation a step further. I'm working on a story, a project for Daily Faceoff, and I'm trying to separate the top players in the league into different groups by skill set and calling it archetypes. I have a category in our archetype project that's franchise players. And I only have 17 of them in the entire NHL, three goalies, three defensemen and 11 forwards are either Johnny Gaudreau or Jonathan Huberto franchise players. My answer is no. That's a really good question. Um, I think at times analysis it's almost like people, oh, if he's not a franchise player, well, that's a real slap to the face, and I don't want to say it. Well, franchise players should be a rare category, Frank. And when when I look at at, at Goudreau, it's, it's hard, unless you're Patrick Kane, it's really hard to be a franchise player as a winger, 
right? You got Ovechkin, who's a freak, right? He's 235 pounds, hits and scores and power forward, right? And Patrick Kane, for the longest time, has been unreal. But lots of your franchise guys are centers just because they can impact the game in more ways. So I think right off the bat, it's hard because they're wingers. I have five wingers out of the 17 that are franchise players. Currently in the NHL. You want to guess them? Well, Ovechkin, Kane would would be the... uh, the first two. Um, and Ryan by the Marshall. way, those are those guys are toward the bottom of my yeah. ranking. Yeah, Ovechkin no, is the very last franchise player, and I really toyed with the idea: like, is he still a franchise player? And I think when you're hitting 50 goals and 90 points, and you've done it for so long, that yes, you are. Yeah, 100. percent You have to. Brad Marchand. Nope. Other wingers. Um... Panarin? Nope. Honestly, for wingers, man, like I'm, I'm Kirill guessing. Kaprizov. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Nikita Kucherov. Oh yeah, good one. And Matthew Kachuk. No, I wouldn't have him. Unicorn. Yeah. He's an absolute unicorn, with his size, the way that he plays, his production. Quite frankly, um he's he's a franchise player there are so few players like him he's brendan shanahan of 20 years ago but with a better skill set yeah and he's 24 no he's younger and 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 frankly he's being paid like a franchise player because you think about the teams in tampa and in florida players don't make that type of money because of the tax situation. They haven't needed to be paid that much. And he's now being paid like one. He's making the same cake as Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. And, um, hmm. cause I, I look at, yeah, see, I wouldn't have Kachuk in it. I think Kachuk's a, a really good player. I don't see him as a franchise player. Um, He's, he's never really carried his team uh, big time. Like I look at, honestly, I look at Panarin. I look at his production. Panarin's got, what, over the last three years, 50 more points, and he's played 20 fewer games. Right? Like, I think the bread man is, he's a pretty dynamic player. Um, I have I, Panarin I don't it, as the number one distributor in the league. Best passer ahead of Dreisaitl? Ooh, I'm, I don't know if I'd agree. But Dreisaitl's in the franchise bucket. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I have okay. Panarin I as the number one distributor outside of the franchise. So he players. was he was the f- top guy in all of yours who wasn't a franchise player. And you don't have the Mitch top Marner. guy in that bucket. I have yeah. different categories: shooter, power forward, net front scorer, pressure players. It's a whole project. Because is and Brad I'm giving Marchand, you a sneak peek. I, okay. I really thought about Brad Marchand as a franchise player. I thought yes, there's a possibility that he should be there. Like he's not, a, he doesn't have the size of Kachuk, but he's produced more lately. He, he's got an agitating side for sure, mm-hmm. like, like Kachuk has. Now, Kachuk draws more penalties, of course. But um, like, yeah, I don't know. Kachuk, I just wouldn't have him. I like it though. It's a good debate. I wouldn't have Kachuk in. So, which, who are the uh, six centers you had? I'm, I'm assuming, well, the easy ones are McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon, Crosby, and who am I missing? You're only missing one more. Um, Barkoff, correct. Okay, that was the easy. In some ways, the franchise category is the easiest one to do because all you have to do is draw a line at some point. Can you yeah. guess my three defensemen and three goalies? Well, Hedman for sure, Makar, and Roman Yossi. Yes. Now, here's the thing: I did really struggle with Miro Heiskanen. Yeah. And Charlie McAvoy, for that matter. Are they franchise players? Mm. Yeah. And for me, with Haskinen, like I love everything that he does. It's so many things that he does are elite. It, it's just he doesn't have the point production, Jay. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. That's what to- separates him. And like from all these other guys, why are they doing it and you're not? I don't know yeah. the answer to that. Yeah, no, it has to be um... – Def- now I wonder, like, where where did Adam Fox come in for you? He he wasn't really much in the conversation. Okay, and then your goaltenders are Vasilevsky, um, Shesterkin. This last one's going to surprise you. 
You see Saros? Nope. I had I I thought long and hard about Saros. Ilya Sorokin. Buddy. Yeah, no one talks about him. And the Islanders were such a disappointment last year, but he's a heck of a goalie. Wood, Kevin Woodley from uh, In Goal Magazine. We talk about him all the time. He he thinks he easily could uh, could win the Vesna this year. He's uh, he's don- he's Ilya really good. versus Igor. What a treat in New York to all see those two guys franchise staples Man, for the next think decade. About that triangle. Like those fans, if if you're a fan of goaltending, you had you had Brodeur and Lundqvist, right? The Devils and the Rangers for a long time, and now you're going Shesterkin. Like the Rangers to to go from Lundqvist and not really have a long gap before getting another franchise goalie, like that's pretty rare. Like you just you don't see that uh, very often for a franchise. And um, what's really what, most impressive about that is these two teams targeted these guys a long time ago. Yeah, like their well, development path to get here. Sorokin's already 27 and it was drafted in 2014. Shesterkin, like I can remember doing our first core four exercises. They were both drafted in the same year. Uh, Shesterkin was in the fourth round. Sorokin was in the third round. And I can remember 2016, I was working on this core four project with Craig Button at TSN. And we went through and had the top four players or prospects in each organization under 24. And he was saying that he's like Shesterkin and Sorokin. These guys are the real deal. This is 2016, a long time before they ever got close to the NHL. And that these guys were playing in Russia till 2020. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know what? Just another prime example of, um, you know, you say, Oh, he's 27. Well, any NHL players, like there's obviously there's, you know, there's the McDavid's and the Matthews who come in as teenagers and, they're, they're really good right away. But, man, there's so many players, Frank, at different positions who who don't really find their – like, you look at the Sedin's first five years in the league. You know, even Victor Hedman. Go back and look at Victor Hedman's first year. He was a solid player, but not not close to the dominant defenseman he became, right? You know, Roman Yossi, same thing. It, it, it takes time for even the, a lot of the elite guys to, to really dominate in the toughest league in the world. And uh, for goaltenders, there's – there is the carry prices and Mark Andre Fleury's and you know Vasilevsky even to an extent, but most guys like hitting your peak at or, or getting into it and all of a sudden at twenty five and six and seven that's actually the norm for goaltenders and I'm not sure I know there was a little bit of a wow they're going to go younger but we've still yet to see that consistently where you have a, a vast array of under twenty five goalies really dominating it's, in the NHL and they and the ones that did come in and look like they were going to have flashes like a Carter Hart, for instance, like he, he's had a couple years where he's gone the other way. Like Carter Hart is still only 24, but this is his, this upcoming year will be his fifth NHL season. Yeah. Mackenzie Blackwood. People thought a few years ago, he was, Oh, this guy's going to be right up there. It doesn't but think uh... about to, to illustrate your point. Like look at Thatcher Demko. Yep. He was thought of as the long for the longest time as you know, the top young goalie. He's 26 now. Speaking of Demko, I'm going to say it right now, Frank. Top goalie in the West this year will be Thatcher Demko. Top goalie in the West. I I would buy that. Yeah. If we were doing a buy or sell. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, his competition is is going to be in a ditch or something today. Where is your Remchuk? Your Remchuk is in Buffalo. He's going to the Bills game and some Jays games. Jeez, classic. He's living the life. He better if he doesn't crash through a table he's fined i think that's if you go to buffalo you got to crash through a table don't you yeah uh, he could just they, aren't they trying to outlaw that well if they are really i i thought it was like a big thing or like people were actually getting hurt like well, of jumping off were. of rvs into yeah. tables that were not collapsing no no like i would just ask him just do it off like the you know Wear the flat bed of a flat bed of your truck he doesn't have to go to the top of a, come on, it's your rem chuck. He can't go off the top of a trailer. Just do it off the flatbed, man. Right. Even he's soft. such a skinny prick. I don't know if he's going, <laughs> if he's collapsing the table off of a flatbed. Well, that's what maybe saw through it a little bit. WWE have it. So, you know, it's going to go down. That's what oh. he needs. Oh, so, needs okay. So sure. to answer your, to your premise, your point, Demko. Yeah. I'll buy it, but his competition, I think you're going to see a big bounce back year from Hellebuck. And obviously Saros is right there. 
Yeah, and, and Markstrom was damn good last year. Oh, Markstrom. I, I, you know what? He was really good in the regular season. Obviously, uh, you know, he got McDavid and dry settled in the second round of the, of the playoffs, but he, uh, he had a really solid year. The Flames, the Flames, what were they? The best team in the league in five on five goals against, right? Like, and, and a lot of that's your goaltending. So um, I think uh, he'll be good. But I think Thatcher Demko, and I'm saying it right now, Frank. I know that officially training camp is, I think the Vancouver Canucks are making the playoffs. I've done a lot of looking at their numbers from last year. And usually when you're a team, five on five goals against is one of the most consistent indicators of, of team success and making to the playoffs. And the Vancouver Canucks were third in the NHL last year at five on five goals against and missed the playoffs. Like it's a massive outlier. Their goaltender's good. I think their their team defense overall is is actually better uh, than th- like they stunk bad on the penalty kill that crushed them. Right. And so penalty kill is the one thing that can change rather quickly. Power play is the top ones usually stay the same for a long time. Penalty kills will go up and down a little bit. And Vancouver bounces back there. I'm, I'm saying it right now. Unless, unless there's like significant injuries, Canucks, I think, are making the playoffs. I think it's easy to say that. And I'm not knocking you, but give me your eight teams. Like that's so you got to do the math then of who in the central is out and who in the in the Pacific, frankly, is out. Well, I don't think Calgary, Edmonton, or LA are going anywhere. No, I would agree. I think I think it's going to be four and four this year. I just think Vancouver takes out the the fifth team in the Central. So is it Nashville or Dallas? Because Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis were a clear cut above Dallas and Nashville. Yeah. So the which Nash- one is it? I think the Nashville Predators. They, they had they had a lot of things go incredibly well for them last year, and I just. I think there's a little bit of, they'll still be competitive, Frank. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to miss the playoffs by two or three points, but I, sorry, Preds fans, but I think it's going to be them. Okay. Or, you know, that's, that's so then the you're saying team. Vegas or, is out. Yeah. Their goal, I got a lot of questions about their goaltending mm-hmm. and Fair. they don't have much depth on the blue line. Right. And when, and I, Frank, you know what, you know me, I love looking at numbers. When you look at just the average health of defense cores, unless they're going to, you know, drink from the, uh, the water bottles of the Calgary Flames and, and Pittsburgh and Washington, who, who were real outliers last year by having six D-men playing 70-plus games. That's a huge advantage. You get into any sort of defense trouble in Vegas and their goaltending, I just don't see how it happens. You've Fair. talked about it a lot. The other thing, Frank, like I wonder about the psyche and culture of that organization right now, too. And Yeah, I, I think that's a real question. Um I'm not sold on Vancouver yet. I need to maybe do okay. a deeper dive. I, I think they're very close. I just don't know as well as they played in the last 56 games of the season. Are they that good? Because they played at a hundred and some point pace over that stretch. I think. Yeah. Are well, they yeah. that good? Uh, and Dallas is another one that's got it. Like they've got Heskin and they, you know, Jake Ottinger, obviously his seven games in the playoffs was, was out of this world. But look at us, like we talked about goaltenders, right? Like it's the toughest position to, you know, Vasilevsky and those guys are unicorns who are great year in and year out, right? Um, And you look at Shesterkin's contract, Sorokin's contract, now Ottinger's, they're still, they don't get the big second deal very often, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. of uncertainty around goaltenders still as to, uh, you know, where they're going to be. Whereas if you're a productive forward usually you're going to get your money look at teams oh you had one good year at 75 points as a forward we're pretty confident now you've broken broken out jordan Cairo. we're giving you eight mil right i don't think this is that bold of a prediction no no no, no. I think I, i'm not price, saying it either I, i'm no i'm saying i think carry price is the last 10 million dollar goalie for a long time you no know, i i could probably agree with you on that for sure right um but even like look at ottinger's contract and compare it to robert thomas and Norris. Oh, I've been saying all it forever. Those like goalies, like first off, in some ways, goalies on the second deal are criminally underpaid. Some of them, like yes. Chesterkin, you could have, you could make the argument, and he went out and did it. Yeah. And now that contract is an absolute bargoon for the next few years for the New York Rangers, and they got to make hay because of it because they know on the back end they're going to have to pay him. These, these are a critical few years in the New York Rangers window. All of a sudden, it goes from this teams that this team that is rebuilding to a team that's now in absolute go mode. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to change my opinion. I think Shesterkin in two years will be a $10 million goalie. Cap's going up significant. That guy might have two Vesnas, maybe three by then. I just don't, I, I don't know. 
I don't know that teams are there. There's so few guys. He may be in that category and he, he is in the franchise category of the archetypes that we're talking about, but Vasilevsky's at nine and a half. And I know part of that's because of Florida and the, and the tax rate, but still teams are, are very weary of the, of paying goalies that much. Hmm. Although Bobrovsky did get 10 mil in the Florida tax rate, right? Like those two guys were still at the time of their contracts, top three of their positions. So. That's one of the worst contracts the sport has ever seen. Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. <laughs> it, it, honestly, partly because it didn't have to happen. Yeah, you're right. They were, there was no one bidding against them that was willing to pay that much. And Florida, yeah. for whatever reason, just said, ah, we're in. Yeah. And then drafted Spencer Knight or drafted Spencer Knight before a couple weeks before that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, makes no yeah. sense. One of the worst contracts ever. So I want to ask Frank, how many levels do you have in your upcoming rankings for players? So you have franchise, mm-hmm. then what? Franchise, pressure players, distributor, shooter, power forward, net front scorer, puck moving D, and shutdown D. Hmm. Interesting. And When's if you're game? wondering what pressure is, it's creates pressure and relentlessly pursues and retrieves pucks at both ends of the ice, a player good on the walls and a general pain in the ass to play against. You could also rename it retriever or I, I haven't been able to find the right name for it, but I think I'm going to call it a pressure player. Pressure player. All right. I know exactly who. Think, uh, who so, think your Selkie guys, like think your Bergeron's, Kopitar's, O'Reilly, Sorelli. Lindholm, Couturier, Stahl, Hyman, all, that whole group. Hey, speaking of, you just brought up the name that I want to talk about. What about Ryan O'Reilly? We talk a lot about Nathan McKinnon. Ryan O'Reilly is a UFA at the end of the year. The Blues have just up, you know, Thomas and, and Kyra. They're kind of the, the future guys. They're getting their big deals. Where does Ryan, where do the Blues and Ryan O'Reilly going? Uh, there hasn't been any talk about their contract extension. Is he, like, is, is he similar to all the talk about JT Miller, who ultimately re-signed in, in Vancouver? Is, and, you know, is Riley in a similar boat or do you think there's a chance Riley's going free agency? Well, there's a difference between O'Reilly and Miller in that and, and anyone else that we've just talked about is that he's he's older. He's already mm-hmm. 31. He, thir- he turns 32 in February. OK, he's Nazem Kadri. Right. Probably a better version. Kadri's 32 and this, his new deal kicks in. Yeah, Um I think it's interesting because I think age matters less with Ryan O'Reilly than it would for most. Okay. Why? Go to his dad's Twitter feed and watch his training. His dad's name is Brian O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And his username is at Coach Bry1. Ryan O'Reilly does things that I've ne- I've never seen a hockey player do. His training is so unique. Like watch some of the videos. He he's just walking on a balance beam with like a glove and stick and doing like all these different stretches. I just think he's going to age really really well. Okay. Right. And but I can understand why the team is like, well, how long of a term are we giving this guy? Like, are we mm-hmm. taking him to 38, 39? And then what's the AAV? Cause he's, he's a, not only is he productive, but he's so he he's the consummate 200 foot player that hundred percent. it's really difficult. It's expensive yeah. is what it is. Well, that's why I look at, at the blues and, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. Like, I I think ultimately, like you 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 bring this, you you're a huge contributor on that Stanley Cup, and you're only a few years removed from that. You know what? Uh, he, he's he's a great personality in the room. He's well liked, good leader. You know, dedicated, all the things. Still a good contributor on the ice. And so I just there's only so much money to go around. Now they are one. Can they squeeze it for one year? Right. That's that's going to be the thing because as you mentioned, Frank, we got two years and the caps bumping up significantly. And uh, they've got their defensemen are all under contract. They're top guys. Now they got their two young guys under contract. Tarasenko, he's probably walking. So there's 7.5. But that basically already went to uh, to one of Cairo or uh, or Thomas. But I'm I'm just interested about that Ryan O'Reilly. And you know he's a player no one's really talked about as far as a free agent and what his contract's going to be because yeah. 
I'd probably put him, I think he's a better player than Nazem Kadri consistently. I think 100% he is. Like, I, I think you, I, and I've said this a long time, and it's not, not to na- knock Naz at all, but Naz is a number two center. Yep, that's fair. Really Ryan O'Reilly one. is a one. Yeah, that's fair. And it, what I really like about what the Blues have done this summer, getting Thomas and Cairo locked up, they've had, they've had a, an unbelievable few years. It's it's only been a short time since they won the Stanley Cup in 2019, but they've actually managed to turn over their entire core because, yes, those guys were around Cairo and Thomas, but they were bottom of the lineup players. Yeah. And so now they've elevated their game. They're 23 and 24. And now the Blues have bought all of the best years of those players, given their age. And those players are now, with respect to Ryan O'Reilly, more or less driving that team. And so they've managed to do this on the fly while remaining competitive the entire time because of guys like O'Reilly and Tarasenko, even though he was hurt for a chunk of it, and Braden Shen. But they found other pieces along the way, like a Pavel Buchnevich, what a trade that was. Um, to really stay in the mix. And so there was never a fall off. They've been this sort of consistent 100 point team for a while that their competitive window is, it's, it's huge. It it extends a long time now because of the way that they've been able to manage it. Yeah, no, yeah, I I think some might question the the only contract due to the timing and everything else you might question was the, the, the fall contract, right? Because I wonder if they didn't do that, if they would have been able to, to get Petrangelo done, maybe they never would have, but um, because I do, that's the one guy I think they probably would have liked to have keep. If, if you know, if you put a, a I think they've been a little overly ambitious on the back end. Is yes. that fair to say? Yes. Like, I think the Nick Letty term is going to hurt. Um, the Marco Scandella one, I never understood. Like, why did you give him that term right away? Like, he, he was basically on waivers, went from the Sabres to the Habs to then comes to the blues and is signed before the season ends a four-year deal at three, two. And you're like, why'd you do that? Yeah. Well, I think their organization, like when they won their defense core was so good. And I think they understand the importance of the D core, but you're right. They might've overvalued some of the guys. Like that's where they just, they had, they retooled their blue line, but they definitely downgraded. And that's hard because Jay Bowmeister, Petrangelo, like they're so big and mobile. Like, those guys are kind of unicorns. So it's hard to go out and say, oh, let's find the next one, right? They already had Pareko. So it's kind of hard to find that mobile and effective of big D-men. And Falk and Krug are good, but I don't put them in the category of Boehm Eastern Petrangelo. I'll tell you who's going to have a huge season this year. Um, that I, I, It's a pivotal year is Scott Perunovich. Keep an eye on him on the Blues blue line. Fantastically talented player. Um, on the back end, north of a point per game in the AHL, which is hard to do, um, looked pretty good for the Blues in the playoffs in their short series, but he's consistently been hurt. And Doug Armstrong had a great quote on Thursday to Jeremy Rutherford about Perunovic, and he said he's got to prove he can stay healthy. That's the main thing. Like with football, you can't make the club from the tub. 100% man. That was a great quote. The best ability is dependability for mm-hmm. sure. Um, now if he makes it, so that means Mikola and Bortuzzo aren't in their top six. Cause they got depth there with Falk and Krug and Pareko and Letty and Scandella. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. They've got a lot of depth on their blue line in St. Louis. There's no question. Well, part of it's expensive depth, right? Oh, like they're going to probably need to move yes. one or two of those guys. If Perunovic is clawing out a spot, which he should. Mm-hmm. So that gives an opportunity to another team, potentially, if they can make it work cap-wise to pick up a body. Yeah. Well, one and I know man... teams have been doing that work. Like The last few weeks, teams have been doing a lot of waiver wire work. Like, who's making teams and who isn't? Who might we be able to get? Yeah, for sure. 
Frank, uh, we got some uh, we got some great guests lined up uh, coming up as we're going to have some uh, previews uh, every Monday. Uh, we get back in our normal rotation. We'll have guests on Monday and uh, we'll fire it around on uh, Friday. And uh, so lots of good topics on the Blues. Hubert Ower, Goudreau, I'm curious. Uh, let us know on uh, Twitter at Jason Gregor, at Frank Saravalli, at the DFO Rundown. If you got for five years, who are you taking, Hubert O or Goudreau? Let us know. Have a great weekend. And uh, when we come back next week, uh, we are going to have one of the all-time character veteran coaches in the National Hockey League joining us and also get into training camp talk because uh, a week today, it'll be day two of training camp and uh, a few days away from preseason hockey, which... uh, Buckle up. Buckle up, Frank. And one other rule, speaking of five, I would love a a cap on the amount of... uh, preseason games teams play too but that's just me we'll uh, we'll get into that another day have a good one mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 percent with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. you got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.